Dominic Steele this afternoon and thanks for joining us for a Sunday afternoon special with Bishop Michael Stead. We are live on Facebook this afternoon and taking your questions. If you want to write a question in the comments below, I'll put them to Bishop Stead in just a moment. Now, Saturday, 4pm yesterday, New South Wales passed the 80% of adults double vaccinated. A few hours earlier, the government released a new public health order which comes into effect tomorrow and we've linked to that in the show notes. Uh, It's a week earlier than a lot of us had been expecting. Although the last few days, we kind of potentially thought it might happen. Uh, Previously, we'd done a survey and three quarters of those indicated that they were planning to restart physical church on Sunday, the 31st of October. And an eighth of ministers indicated they'd restart church today. And an eighth, they pushed the start date back to the 7th of November. Anglican Bishop Michael Stead has been watching these developments more closely than most. And he's here to answer our questions about the physical restart. Michael, it's Sunday afternoon. You were with us at Village Church this morning in church as we try to soft launch service. Um, uh, Now, um, we can't do a full restart till everybody's able to be with us, but everyone's going to be able to be with us next Sunday. That's right. A week ahead of schedule, Sunday the 24th will be the first Sunday where uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated alike will be able to be together in church. And the whisper I'm getting just looking at ministers on social media is quite a few who were planning to start on the 31st are thinking of bringing the date forward to the 24th. Yeah, I haven't taken a poll. I think it might be 50-50. I think Mm -hmm. some have already got plans that they're set for the 31st. They'll stick with it. But I think some will uh, take advantage of of the change. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the changes? You've gone through the public health order in detail? Yeah. So the key change is that a place of public worship is no longer defined as a higher risk premises. It doesn't sound like much, but it actually changes a whole lot of things. So it means two things in particular. It means that uh, we no longer have to check the vaccination status of people who are coming into churches, and therefore we can have vaccinated and unvaccinated alike. The second consequent change is that we also don't need to make sure that uh, children under the age of 16 are accompanied by a vaccinated person from their household and that in practical terms means that um, youth programs, kids programs can be back on from from Monday tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. So let's just play that out because I mean we'd kind of been thinking of having a barbecue for parents uh, for our first Friday afternoon of Kids Club to try and get the parents there so that the kids could be there as well but I mean, we can still do a barbecue, but we don't need to do a barbecue. By all means, do that for social and and, uh, other reasons, but you don't need to from a public health compliance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now the kids can be here, not necessarily in the presence of the adults. Now, Bible study groups, community groups, um, uh, a number of our groups are planning to use the church building and they're allowed to invite the unvaccinated members of their Bible study group to Bible study Correct. from tomorrow night. Yeah, so this is this this is the distinction. In a person's home, the, the limit has gone up from 10 people to 20 people, but only the vaccinated. Right. But if you're doing something at a place of public worship, which is... Um, public worship, like uh, Bible reading and prayer. That, that's right. Uh, then, then the unvaccinated can be present, whereas if you were doing a um, Alcoholics Anonymous group or something like that, which is not... A, a Christian activity per se, uh, you wouldn't be able to have the unvaccinated people present. So that's the distinction. Now, how would parish council, we've got parish council scheduled tomorrow night. Yep. Um, uh, we've got one guy on our parish council who's been, he's had, he's had one job, he hasn't had his second. And so we were planning to stay on the Zoom for tomorrow night. But are we free to meet in person? Um, 
uh, yes, the, the, uh, provided that you think that your parish council is doing ministry. So if your parish council is like mine in the past where we opened with prayer and we read the Bible and we closed with the grace, um, then that's part of the religious activities of the church. Mm-hmm. And like a Bible study meeting, uh, you'd be able to meet on these premises because it's a place of public worship, uh, notwithstanding the fact that one of the people there is unvaccinated. Right. So if But if it's a purely business meeting, there was no spiritual content, then probably not. Um, but if it's if it's a part of the public worship of your church, then yes. Mm. Um, uh, now, what did you, what were your observations of issues, things that went well, things that didn't go quite so well at Village Church this morning as you watched the kind of trial soft launch service? I actually thought it went really well. Like I was pleased to see that the the, the, the check-in was relatively seamless. This morning it required a two-stage check-in. That is, I had to check in with uh, the Service New South Wales app, but then separately had to show my vaccination certificate. And mm-hmm. as I said, that was all seamless. Mm-hmm. You won't need to do that from, from next week. Mm-hmm. Um, the service itself went well. I think what happened here this morning is the kind of thing we're going to continue to do everywhere, which is to continue to make those people who are not present physically uh, welcome and included. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you, you continue to need to speak to the camera and to assure those people that they are still very much part of us because there will be people who are immunocompromised who feel that they can't be present even if legally they can be. Mm. I forgot to ask you before, playgroups, where do we stand with playgroup? Um, problematic, actually, because the public health order explicitly excludes um, play centres as they're still in the high risk category. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, I think it would be prudent not to start up play groups. So that wouldn't, shouldn't be in your first run, run mm-hmm. of, of things that the churches are doing until we've got a greater clarity about what's happening in the wider community. Mm. What about churches meeting in schools? Where do they stand at the moment? It's a little bit problematic because the um, it, the, the, the uh, Department of Education has actually delegated a little bit, little bit of the decision-making to the local principal, and many of the principals are saying, well, look, our, uh, we're still in the category where we can't have unvaccinated uh, adults on the premises, and therefore if you came back, you'd have, you, you, you're you'd be limited to only having vaccinated people present. And so I imagine for some churches that's going to be problematic, uh, even though when they're mate, they meet, they are doing public worship, they're not a place of public worship for the purposes of the mm. public health order. And so the principal is likely not to want to take the risk, if you like, from having the external hire. And the, That's right. Well, what about us and external hires, um, us as church venues? Um, the, it, it, there'll be some limited things that you're able to do that you, you previously couldn't do. For example, if you had a dance group or a gym that met on site, uh, they are now able to meet with 20, 20 persons. You could legally um, open up and they could um, uh, uh, rent out. Um, most of the other things that we would rent out churches for would be subject to the limits on vaccinated um, versus unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. So that they'd have to comply with whatever um, public health order and COVID safety plan applies to that particular activity. Right. Now, we're taking questions on Facebook uh, this afternoon, and if you do want to ask a question, you can put it in the comments on the uh, Facebook discussion. We've got one in from Scott Good. He says, uh, my main question for your interview is around funerals. Is it right that unvaccinated can attend a religious service, but not a wedding or funeral religious service? Can they only attend a religious service, or can they attend the place of worship for other activities? I mean, and, and he's got a specific problem. He's got a person who is unvaccinated with a relative who's just died 
and what do I do? Yeah, so the, the answer is um, funerals and weddings are defined as significant events and there are special rules about significant events. They've taken the cap number. There used to be an absolute cap of, of the number of people regardless of the square area. The cap is gone. But the rule that as soon as you have any unvaccinated people present, it pulls the, the limits right down. You're only allowed to have five guests at a wedding plus the couple and the people mm-hmm. necessary for the service. You're only allowed to have 10 guests at a funeral where any one of the people there are unvaccinated. So basically, one unvaccinated person, very tight limits. It's really intimate family kind of weddings and funerals. Um, Otherwise, uh, you you can have unlimited numbers of people at weddings and funerals subject to the four square metre density rule. Now, I was reading a little bit of pushback on that question. Uh, Some were asking, well, what if the funeral is in a church as opposed to if it's over in a crematorium? And they were kind of agreeing with the thesis you've just presented for crematorium that saying in a church, then it should be allowed. Are you... No, that, that, that would be that would be wishful thinking, but that's not how the public order health order works because it actually defines the significant event uh, as uh, and uh, that cl- clearly is, is is trumping the the general rule about places of public worship. Mm. So yes, we can do all kinds of things in a place of public worship, but as soon as we do a funeral or a wedding, we have to comply with the rules about significant events. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the public health order versus the COVID safety plan and. Um, uh, as I've looked at the public health order that comes in force tomorrow, then I've looked at the COVID safety plan that comes in force tomorrow. There's discrepancies everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of that I think is just timing. They clearly haven't updated the the parts of the public health order that do that deal with uh, children because there's something in the, the the safety plan that says children under the age of 16 have to be in the presence of their parents. Their parents. That, Whereas we know that's not right in the public health order. That's right. So where where there's an obvious discrepancy like that, you obviously comply with the public health order and presumably they'll update the, the COVID so safety plan. They probably don't fill in the COVID safety plan tomorrow. Wait till later in the week when presumably people like you will have rung them up and told well, them to get their act together. Okay, here's the problem. The, the public health order requires you to complete a COVID safety plan. So you have to have done one, but you're probably going to have to do it and then update it again one when it, when it comes out again. So don't run church if you haven't done a COVID safety plan because you won't be in compliance with the public health order. Mm. Now, I'm going to workshop with you the COVID safety plan because some of the things that surprised me, and I'm talking about the 70% one, obviously not the 80% one, but I suspect these issues are going to be the same in the 80% one. Um, When it came to thinking morning tea and dinner after church, and we served morning tea this morning and we're serving dinner tonight, um, it's totally changed in terms of the COVID safety plan on cafes and restaurants because we filled in that because of doing morning tea and dinner. What's your take there? Yeah, look, if I had to summarise it, what I think has happened is that there's much less emphasis on the... um the fomite transfer issue, which is I've touched something that somebody else touches it, and there's much more concern about ventilation. So they're mm-hmm. worried about transmission via air rather than transmission via touch. Let's do air in a moment, but yeah. clear away touching for a minute. We handed out Bibles this morning. We handed out handout sheets. You were okay with that? Yeah, that's right. And I don't think, uh, again, the, the COVID safety plan still does talking about wiping down frequently touched areas. I think that that's going to drop out over time because that's clearly not where most of the transmission mission has occurred. And in fact, we've put a link in the, the show notes here for a document that says that basically next to no yeah. surface transmission of COVID. That's right. Yeah. Whereas it's clear that the transmission has been aerosol. So it's quite surprising. Um, we filled in the 
the COVID safety plan for place of worship first. Then we came to fill in the COVID safety plan for cafes and restaurants, and they were almost identical documents. There was just about nothing actually in regards to food food. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really, most of the procedures around uh, safe food handling that people in the uh, that industry would already be well familiar with uh, would deal with the issues of thermite transfer. So you don't need to do that much that's over and above uh, what would be normal safe practice in terms of food handling. Mm-hmm. Um, we will continue to encourage people to minimise the amount of contact where, where, where possible, like to encourage individual serves and things like that. So you do limit the, uh, the the person-to-person contact, mm. but it doesn't seem to be a, 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 as strong a requirement of the safety plans as it has been. Mm. Talk a bit about density of people, because um, we've got from now till the 1st of December working on the four square metre rule. It's more generous than any previous interpretation on density of people. That's right. So uh, in terms of calculating the total space, it's all publicly available areas. And so you look at your building, you map it out and say, right, the the, the toilets are publicly available, the room, that that part of the the, the cafe next door, whatever it is, they're all publicly available areas. So that becomes your total floor space. Um, And then you can, even if you've got only a proportion of that is being used as your main church Mm -hmm. meeting space auditorium. Um, So that's, that's a very generous way of calculating it. The other way is that the other generous um, uh, part of the equation is that you don't include the people who are there for work. Mm-hmm. And so you as the preacher, the people, the, 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 the employed staff don't in, aren't included in that count as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that in most churches is going to probably add several people to the count mm-hmm. um, that makes it uh, yet more generous than it has been, even at four square metres. Now, 1.5 metres apart, that's not in the public health order, so that's not binding. It is in the COVID safe plan. It is. So the COVID safety plan, remember, we can't just say, well, it's only in the the safety plan that's not binding. The public health order says that you have to have a COVID safety plan and and you have to comply with the the COVID safety plan that you've you've put up. So you do have to make some effort at saying this is how we're going to do 1.5 metre social distancing. The difference is uh, you, you have to say this is how we're going to plan to do that in our church, but you don't need to enforce it in the same way that you could be held legally responsible if the police come in and say, well, hang on, you've got 300 people in a space that you can only fit 200, you're legally liable. If you have these people who are clumped together despite your best efforts to keep them apart, uh, you're not legally liable for them. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not quite 1.5 metres away from me. Oh, we, we'd be close enough. Close enough? Yeah. Close enough. But is, is close enough good enough? Um, yeah, I think in these kind of contexts with, with churches, yes. I don't think you need to get out the slide rule and the, and the tape measure uh, to ensure... It's really the vibe. Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. Um, uh, now, ventilation, because that's the big issue. And, and we alluded to that when you were with us last time. I, I've got the COVID safety plan here. I'm going to hit you with the yeah. questions and you can help me fill it in. I've already filled it in. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, use outdoor settings whenever possible. Yeah. Uh, so I think the kind of thing that you've done here this morning where you encourage people to go outside the building as soon as they finish church and have morning tea out there, quite apart from the fact that it was a nice sunny day, mm-hmm. uh, it means that we can take a mask off. But what it really means is that we're open to the air and so you're, you're not having an enclosed space with lots of people breathing into mm-hmm. it. So, uh, yeah, wherever you can do and that. And that a few people stayed inside was fine yeah. because actually we just reduced the density inside. Yeah. Um, in indoor areas, increase natural ventilation by opening windows and doors where possible. Now, that's possible in some churches and harder in others. 
Uh, yes, it's just as well that we're coming into summer uh, because in the middle of the winter, that's going to be that much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that a lot of older churches don't have good natural ventilation. They so have. you must have, I mean, you're the Bishop of South Sydney. There's a lot of old churches in South Sydney. Tell us how you've scratched your head. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking to churches about uh, fans, mechanical ventilation, and it's not not just about putting one big fan in because all that's going to do is circulate air within the room. You actually have to work out how to get a cross flow. So basically it means uh, one fan pumping air in at one end of the building and another one extracting it at the other end of the building to create a cross flow if you can't get that naturally, which is opening windows on one side of the building and let the wind kind of push through. Mm. But mechanical so, ventilation is one option. So what's your sense, of, as you've talked to people, how many are actually buy, out buying fans at the moment? Yeah, certainly some churches are buying um, some big fans uh, to help move things move things along. Others have changed their um, um, air conditioning settings. Um, the larger air conditioning units, which many of the larger churches have, have uh, the, the option to actually bring in air from the outside. That's a, that's another good option. Instead of recycling uh, air within the building, which doesn't help, in fact, if anything makes it worse, worse. Yeah. Um, uh, if you can bring in air from outside through your air conditioner, pump it in, and then have doors open at the back of the church, it will naturally go out because you're creating a positive air pressure inside the building. So, what, I mean, that's what we did here this morning. We, The, the air conditioning technician had gone up on the roof and had changed the thing manually so that it's wedged on fully fresh air yeah. rather than recirculated air. It meant that um, we got hotter in the room yeah. than I would have expected us to do. I mean, we, we weren't unpleasantly hot, yeah. but it didn't feel like the air conditioner was kind of working to make this a cool space. Like no, that's right, because ordinarily what's happening is that 50% of the air that's going back through your air conditioner is coming out of the room, so it's sucking the already cold air, taking it back in, making it colder, and then pumping it back through with a mix of, of mm-hmm. the fresh air coming in. And what you're doing now is you're taking out external air and you're, you're, your air conditioner is on full bore trying to cool it down as much as possible because it's only got one attempt at, at getting that temperature mm. down. I mean, we thought about buying the fans and we thought about the air conditioner and we thought well actually better to make the air conditioner work harder have a little season of it not being quite as effective rather than have the the capital outlay on the on the kind of external fans and all that kind of thing yeah um and different churches obviously have different capital equipment and so be making different decisions but everyone's got to think about ventilation everyone and and the covid safety plan actually makes you ask those kind of questions which is Mm. good um, uh, and what about the um, ensuring mechanical ventilation systems are regularly maintained to optimise performance through regular filter cleaning or filter changes? Yeah. yeah. So newer air conditioners will have the option, will either have a HEPA filter or a, the option of adding a HEPA filter. Um, that's the, the um, to, to, to strip out the really small particles. It doesn't, uh, let, let, let's be clear, HEPA filters don't, uh, entirely reduce the risk of COVID, mm. but they reduce the risk. And so that's another way that you can minimise the amount of the large, particularly the larger aerosol mm-hmm. particles that are circulating. The HEPA filters will strip them out, but they need to be well maintained to ensure that they're actually functioning adequately. Mm. Um, l- let's get you to look into your... Oh, actually, no, before that, um, what if we get somebody who's COVID case confirmed comes to church? What do we do? Um, it's the same procedure uh, now. The, the um, health department will work out which people will need to be identified as uh, close and casual contacts, and they'll give you directions about whether people need to isolate for periods of time. Um, you'll, you will need to 
have some kind of cleaning happening in the church. Uh, at this stage, it's not clear how how extensive that needs to be. I think in the past, the very expensive. Deep I mean, it was clean, super big thing before. Yeah, yeah. And, and this goes back to that whole question of the, the fomite transfer. I think they are less worried about. Um, oh dear, this person might have touched a surface seven days ago, and there's a there's a risk of COVID transfer. That seems to be very remote. Uh, so there will need to be some kind of cleaning of the building, uh, but it probably doesn't need to be the the full full deep clean of people in hazmat suits. Mm. Let's um, put up on the table on the screen the table of um, uh, now. Talk me through the different floor spaces of buildings and therefore the different responses that different churches will make uh, if they've had a COVID positive case in the congregation. That's right. And so the, the basic principle is the smaller the building, the more risky it is to have people uh, in close contact with yep. each other. There's just less air space to, to circulate and therefore the, the, the more likelihood that the person that you're in church with is going to make you a casual contact because you are in the building with them. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a building of less than 100 square metres, yep. there wouldn't be that many churches that are less than us. That's no. 10 metres by 10. That's not really us. No, no. Um, Most of our churches are going to sit around the 200 to 300 uh, square metre. So I think here you'd be above that. You're in, you're I with 400 square metres in the auditorium. Yeah. And so I worked out, I mean, just pop that graph back up on the screen for a moment. We're over the 300 square metres. Yeah. And so it's low risk for Everyone. That's right. Even for the unvaccinated, because so the chance that you've got one unvaccinated person here and you've got one person who's COVID positive, vaccinated or unvaccinated, the chance of that one person who's sharing that 400 square metres breathing enough air over a period of time to themselves become COVID positive is puts them in puts them in the low risk mm-hmm. end of the spectrum. And so, even if someone COVID positive was to come to church here, it's unlikely that somebody would catch COVID from them and unlikely that everyone would need to isolate or anything like that. That's right. Right. Whereas... Which is a very helpful, reassuring word for us as we move forward. Yeah, because you don't need to think about, oh, dear, if I go to church and they're COVID positive, then I have to isolate for the next two weeks. That's very unlikely unless you're in a very small church. Mm -hmm. Or if you were literally sitting next to the person who's COVID positive and they've done their contact tracing and they realise actually you you are at greater risk. Right. So, I mean, that's probably the case, that if you did discover that you were COVID co- co- positive, I'd think, well, did I spend much time with him on Sunday yeah, or that's right. something like that? And I'd, I'd play that back in my head. Right. Okay. Now, crystal ball for me. What's going to happen? <laughs> okay. It can go one of two ways. Uh, the government has been warning us that, that we probably are going to see an uptake, uh, an uptick in, in uh, infections as people get back out into normal mm-hmm. contact. Um, the real question is going to be not that number, but the number of hospitalisations that follow. If if everything goes to the government's plan, the high levels of vaccination mean that even though there might be, we might go from three to four to five to six hundred cases a day, uh, we're not going to see the same corresponding increase in hospitalisations and admissions to ICU. If that's the case, then my, my, uh, my guess is that come next year, come February or March next year, we'll have all got used to the idea of, okay, we'll, we'll get back to normal life. And yes, there will be people we know who catch COVID, but um, we're, we're coping okay as a society. Our hospital system is coping. Uh, so, and, and at that stage, I think we'll actually get back to, to normal in, mm-hmm. in that we, we will start just getting on with life without, without having to 
think the COVID questions. We won't have to think, have I got a mask on me? Do I have to maintain social distancing? We'll just get back to normal. Um, the other way that it could go is um, uh, not only are there increases in infections, but there's also an increase in hospitalisations. The government realises that... Um, uh, it, it, it's struggling to cope, then I think that we will continue to remain in the restrictions that come in force um, on, on the 1st of December. So we'll still have some um, density limits, the, the, mm -hmm. the two square metres, and they may well have um, other restrictions that they put in place to try and keep a cap on things. Obviously, I'm hoping and praying for the former, um, but but recognising that the latter is, the, is also a possibility. Mm. Yeah, we were talking week before last on The Pastor's Heart with Lee McMunn, pastor in Scarborough in the UK. And he wasn't at church that week because um, his, uh, well, two, well, actually all three of his kids got COVID. Um, and, uh, uh, but his wife, he stayed home to babysit and his wife went to church and led the singing. We've now got three children with COVID since Sunday. So our oldest now has come down with COVID. My wife and I are still, are still negative. Um, and so you guys have been vaccinated. vaccinated. Yeah. yeah, we've been double vaccinated. Um, so we're, we're praying, and it, it may or may not happen as the Lord determines. We're praying that the vaccines do their job, and that 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 my wife and I don't don't get COVID. Um, it's, and I've got a lot of things in my diary coming up, and uh, I always think, well, I, surely I need to do them. But as the Lord determines, He knows best, and it might be things have to cancel my diary. Um, our kids are okay. Um, um, I, I could tell it was a couple of days after they first got it, and I could tell they were getting better because I started to have to raise my voice to them. So they're, they're sweet little things when they're a little bit ill, but then they started to annoy each other. So um, COVID affects us in different ways. And uh, I thought, oh, close contact, you yeah. know, and yet still leading the singing. And I thought, I think you're actually, the scenario you're painting is that that will happen in Australia potentially in four or five months' time, and, yeah. we, and we will actually get used to that. Well, we, there will undoubtedly be people in our churches who have COVID, but it won't be terrible. We've got a – it'll be terrible for them and we'll pray for them, but it won't be something that will shut down our, our, the, the regular things that we do as a Christian community. Mm. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. Michael Stead, thanks very much for coming to talk to us this afternoon. Thanks, Tom. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Michael Stead, the Bishop of South Sydney for the Anglican Church. And uh, you've been with us with this Sunday afternoon special, and we'll be back on Tuesday afternoon with our regular The Pastor's Heart. Thanks for joining us. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.